Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shane needs to be in perfect the the premiers of 1992. The 1992. Let's get things started on the field. The West Coast Eagles, eight goals, nine, 57, were defeated by Collingwood, 18, 12, 120. Now, Bender, this looks like an absolute rout from, you know, the, the top place team up against the bottom place team. We mentioned last week, I was certainly terrified that this was going to be an absolute bloodbath. In reality, on paper, you know, a cursory glance at the box score on, on the morning after, sure, it looks that way. The Eagles were only down by 14 points here, 55 to 69, coming in right, right close to three-quarter time. As it turned out, that was Noah Long's goal. It was our final goal for the game. The Pies add the final eight goals of the game and, and really do make the margin look not maybe not flattering, but certainly imposing. Uh, now, with that said, those first three quarters, there was a fair bit of footy being played for two teams at such different ends of the table. Yeah, look, it was good for even the first quarter was a little bit of a, a struggle, even though Pies started pulling away a little bit. But that second and third quarter, um, you know, was, was great pressure. We were intense and we were playing like a real direct game style. And it seemed like the game was really in the balance up until that gaff shot on goal um, and it kind of felt like that that was basically that summed us up at, at that point in the game he couldn't make the distance and we didn't have the legs to, to keep it up anymore and I think they scored three goals in about three minutes and you kind of felt like oh geez three quarter time can't come soon enough and then then they showed their superior fitness and skills and everything in that final quarter and, and buried it but up until that point it was like a, there was a, a glimmer of optimism of hope that like you know mm. could something actually come with this game you know up until that point um kind of brought back down to reality quickly, but it was still nice to see. You know, there was promising stuff. Uh, I'm just going to quickly say no cricket chat, please. We've got a cricket comment coming through in the uh, in the chat here, and I will not be acknowledging it. We will not be addressing it, and I'll be booting off anybody who discusses cricket on the show this evening. Keys, it's something we've dealt with all year. Not cricket, of course, because that's woeful, but injuries. First quarter, we're down Hearn, we're down West, we're down Hewitt, the subs on, and, you know, suspensions are flying, and it's the young guys, it's the old guys. We've said it a million times. I know there's some that are luck. There's some that are perhaps maybe more than luck, you know, maybe bad management or bad prep or who knows? Maybe we just walked under all the ladders and shattered all the mirrors that we could. But for a team on the on you know on the bottom of the ladder and in last place up against first place, down three guys and, and having to activate the sub so early, it was a good fight. And even that first quarter, they didn't end the quarter with a goal. But I'm pretty sure we had more inside fifties than the Pies at quarter time. So there was there was more footy being played than than the final scoreline might suggest. 
Yeah, well, I think I, I think when I sort of looked at the stats score at the top, yeah, we actually had maybe one more inside fifty mm. disposals were our way and things like that. all the all the stats were sort of were were good. Um, and that I, I mean that really stayed right through the three quarter time, and then it sort of everything shifted. Um, but I mean, there was a time there, like Bender said, said there was actually there was just that little glimmer of um, of of optimism there. It's like could yeah you know, could we? I mean, mm. the crowd was up. The, the crowd was up, sort of. You know, everyone was up and about, the, um, which was really good because it hasn't you haven't really felt that this year where you, you actually felt like you're in the game. And I because I, I went with my son, I, I said to him through that third quarter, he said, "We've actually got those guys actually rattled. They were making like genuine mistakes with their mm. disposal and things like that." I was like. Yeah, you know, we've we've got them on the on the back foot, um, and we're playing a pretty good brand of footy. Um, yeah, you know, you know, the second that third quarter, the defence was holding up pretty well. Bazo took a couple of intercept marks, and um, you know, we were we we're holding our own. I think the main problem for us was um, the makeshift forward line just couldn't capitalise on the entries. Uh, and, you know, with their height, I mean, not, Collingwood are not super tall, but they had, Myshet can take a mark, Johnson can take a mark, Cox yeah. can get his hands on it. Um, you, you know, we were just undermanned down back. So when they did get it in there, they always looked like they might score, whereas we had to, like, really scrape and, um, you know, a lot of our goals were on the back of some a little bit of individual brilliance or a couple, you know, I think Tim Kelly got the goal because um, you know it was a really good handball from O'Neill through traffic, and there was mm, a couple of yeah. like Jamison yeah. and Waterman got involved in that bit of play, and there was yeah you know, there was bits where um, you know Clark's goal was I can't remember who handballed it might have been Noah Long handballed it out to Clark. I'm not sure if that's quite right, but yeah, there was just some like clever bits of play. It wasn't we weren't getting like the oh let's go inside fifty, find a leading forward, put it on his tit, and he goes yeah. back and kicks a goal. So, um, but the fight was there. You know, we win the ball through the middle. Um, Williams wasn't reading the ruck taps, but he was he was a pest at ground level and. Um, surging the ball forward, getting his body in the road. Um, you know, we had Yo back to not quite back to his best, but we saw you know what we've been missing from Yo. Mm. Um, you know that that sort of real aggression around the footy and, and things like that. It, you know, we looked, we actually looked good there for a while, and just I think unfortunately, yeah, I mean the rotations caught us, and we just couldn't go with him in that last quarter. Um, they put their foot down, and you know. Dacos, who I thought had been good, but without being super dominant, sort of sort of rolled over the top of us in that last quarter, and yeah, poured on the goals and yeah, looked yeah. looked champagne and yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, it's funny you're talking about yo uh, their keys and. And Bender, I'll bring you on this few little stats here going through. But clearances, I mean, the Eagles won the clearances and they won them handily, plus 10. They were only minus one on inside 50s, which doesn't look like a 10-goal loss. And then you look at the clearance numbers. Sheed had 10, Kelly had nine, Yo had seven, Williams had five. Going down to Collingwood's top, Darcy Cameron had five. So for them, it was just, you know, a little bit more evenly spread throughout the squad. But we did actually win the clearances pretty convincingly. And it was that same core of guys doing the heavy lifting. Um, take us through some guys that you liked, I suppose, because just reading those names there, I mean, Sheed, 43 and a goal in his 150th against the Pies. You love to see that. Kelly had a goal. You know, Yo was giving us a little bit of drive, a little bit of aggression. So there's a bit more shape to the midfield now with Yo's addition. And as always, and touch all the wood and say all the, all the prayers that you can. But health permitting, there's a little bit of an engine room there compared to what we've been watching over the last month or so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, look, uh, uh, Yo's the one that stands out and he's probably 
I reckon he's probably playing, I don't know, 75 to 80% of his usual output. He wasn't running himself ragged um, mm. like he did in the Geelong game where he hurt himself. You could see he's probably not doing those huge sprints, but his influence on the game was just huge for us. You know, the, he was he stood he stands out with with the way that he he picks up the ball, the decision making. He, mm. If we hold it off for a half a second longer and choose a better disposal, um, he he obviously stood out. And aside from the names that you mentioned, I was really happy with um with Bailey Williams. Um, his game was was really good. I think he's. He's going well. There's obviously still a lot to improve on. I think he's um he's marking. He tends to just fresh air them a lot, um for whatever reason, um which is a, an interesting way to describe a mark because you know, it's usually a kick thing. But um I've, I've been really happy with his his game the past I don't know maybe six weeks or so. I think then we started off the season a little bit skeptical about where he was going to go. Um and I think he's at least been solid the past maybe two months, six weeks. Um outside of them. You know the the kids are doing okay. They look promising. Um, you know Hewitt started off well, yeah. and you could see that there was like a, a serious burst of speed that he's got, which I think we compared to a lot of our midfielders. They don't have that kind of intense pace. Maybe off you know the at the start of the contest, the explosive pace that he seems to have. Mm. So that was exciting while it was there. Um, and Long and and um, Bazo and and Hoff. Hoff has had a, a good fortnight, I think, as well. A promising fortnight. Um, so, yeah, look, a lot to like from the kids. Um, just ran out of legs, as usual. Yeah, that's the way. I mean, even, and look, we'll get into the Hewitt-Degoe stuff a little bit. Um, obviously, it was one of the bigger talking points for the week across the footy landscape, not just with the Eagles world, but even the play that he got knocked out on, like, Draw the man and handball. I know we'll get into it. Some discussion about, oh, why is he running there? Why is he trying to engage the contest? It's draw the man and handball. And it was an absolute fucking ripper. Draw the man, hit Tim Kelly, didn't have to move. Great, great footy. But obviously, you know, we saw what happened. Uh, Keys, lessons. We've had a few months or a few weeks, almost coming up to a month now, where we've come away from a game and gone, well, we actually almost couldn't learn anything from that. You just have to put a line through it and walk away and lick your wounds. It is what it is. This last fortnight now against Essendon and Collingwood, we've played two fairly similar games in a way in that it's been closer than the scoreboard or certainly the final score would reflect. Last quarter has definitely gone the way of the opposition and they've, they've poured the score on, that's okay. But a little bit more tidiness around goal in that Bombers game. And then, I mean, even just a little bit more run and carry in that in that Collingwood game or a few more fresh legs. There were some leadable, I don't want to say winnable because have a look where we are, but I mean, we, we could have been leading seriously late in either of those games. There was actually, as I said, a little bit more of a game plan. You could see what they're trying to do. What do you take away having watched that compared to some of these games where you, you take nothing away and you just move on with your weekend? Well, I think you, know, you listen to someone in the press and he, and he sort of says, well, you, know, you, you start to get a little bit um, of a sense of the identity of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, you can sort of see, you can sort of see what they're trying to do, what the, what, what they want to try and do. They're, you know, they want to try and win the contest and get the ball out and things like that. And they want to move the ball sort of quickly and get it, try and get in the forward lines. It's just, there's just not quite the talent there to be able to do it consistently. Um, and the young guys, and the young guys, they'll make they'll make mistakes, they'll make decision errors and things like that. And and there's some guys that you know aren't going to be at the club in a year or you know beyond this year or or next year. And yeah, you know, we'll, we'll work our way through. But you can see what we're trying to do. I think um, you could probably line up about seven or eight sides that if we played those sides instead of Collingwood on the weekend, we would we perhaps would have won. Um, or we certainly would have been close, a hell of a lot closer than 10 goals. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we threw our best punch at the best side and, you know, we had them, like I said, we had them rattled for a little bit, but they, they absorbed it and then, you know, gave the knockout blow in the last. But, 
there's a lot of sides we would have beaten with that game of footy. Um, and especially with, you know, I, I think that's the second game now where we've been down within within a half of football. We've been mm. down to two on the bench, which yep. is, you know, that's just, that's just absurd. You just... You just don't see that, and and it's apart from I think Hearn. Yeah, we took a risk with an old body, and you can turn around and say, okay, well that's it. You know, one guy gets headbutted in the knee after a player gets pushed into his mm-hmm. pushed in the back and collects his knee, and the other guy gets knocked out. I mean, you just that's the sort of stuff that you you can't. You, you, it just happens. It's just footy. You, you, you sort of think, okay, we might lose someone early, but you just don't get that, and you don't get that twice in a quarter. Um, you know, I really, I really like watching Noah Long play. Oh yeah. You know, more often than not, if he gets to footy, something good happens. Um, you know, Ben did sell on Hoff, and Hoff played on on um, Ginnaman and kept him pretty well under control. So, um, yeah, there's things, there's things there to be to be happy about. I just made a comment. <laughs> We used to it used to be that thing. We used to complain about a disappointing ten goal win and yeah. go, shit, and and now and now we're sort of applauding commendable ten goal losses, and that's just that's just a sign of of where we are at the club in our cycle and and things like that. It's like, geez, I'd I'd love to get one of those ten goal wins where you walk out the ground, and go, fuck, we should have beaten by more than that. How we only win yeah. by ten goal. People um, used to get so going, shitty just, when we'd win by forty going, points. Oh, well, thank fuck, we only lost by ten. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's um it's sad, but. It's just a, it's just a reality of, of, of where we're at, and um, you, you know we're just trying to keep the guys' chins up as best we can, and and I think as a supporter, you see that effort, and it's it's a mile in front. That's what you want to see. You don't want it. the Hawthorne and Carlton games where you know we just didn't put up much of a yop. That's what you don't want to see. These games, I think, you know, you walk out of it and you, oh, well, we, you know, we lost by 10, but you, yes, you felt there's little glimmers of hope that you There's see. a direction. There's You look at it yeah, and you go, I understand little, what they I mean, building. it's kind of like, I, I mean, you're trying to find little glimmers of hope. It's kind of like trying to find stars in a thunderstorm. Um, and you might just see them there briefly, but then they get covered over pretty quick. But that's, you've got to be looking for them because they're brief and they're, but they're there. And when the storm clouds go away, they'll still be there and there'll be more of them. That's the most poetic and beautiful thing. Normally, you're trying to give people a rusty spike and telling everybody what for, but that's that's unbelievable from you, Case. That's that's fantastic. Uh, Bender, any closing thoughts on the Pies game? And uh, if not, we might roll on to something that came out of the Pies game. It was certainly the story of the week. But uh, give me give me your thoughts on anything on the rusty spike. We'll be back in a minute. Yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, no, I'm I'm ready to move on. I think all that's been said has been said from my end anyway. ready to move on in uh, a lot of regards with the way this season's rolled out. But Bender, I'll, uh, I'll lead off with you with this one. Jordan Dugowie, he was suspended for three weeks. Could have been four, could have been five, could have been none because the Eagles prejudiced the jury and got in. And by God, for the first time in history, Bender, somebody discussed a tribunal case before it was sat at the tribunal. I mean, the suspension first, because I don't think there's a lot of discussion. You, you jump off the ground and hip and shoulder a guy when the ball's already left the area. You go on, whatever. He threw himself at the mercy of the tribunal. I think he knew knew the score on that front. But take it away, Bender. What's your thoughts on the week, on all the drama, the apologies and the social media and the hysteria? What what I mean, what the fuck was that? I should have I should have prepared some palm cards because I can see myself kind of zigging and zagging and remember stuff that I wanted to say. 
my, yeah. mainly my my um my my ones that annoy me the most was first of all the the he's remorseful so we'll only give him three there, there hasn't been a remorse discount in in the history of our game there's there was an early guilty plea that used to exist they took it away and for them to now go like oh you know he, he's done his time because you know he's he's been hard done by you know what's effective in, in the media that one that made me shake my head that was the first one mm. then look i think by the time we actually got to the tribunal it was barely even about to go anymore in the bump it was about how the eagles had shot off a tweet that they shouldn't have which i don't i didn't really see the tweet but from what i understand is is that it was there there was a kind of like an underlying tone saying that well he's getting what he deserved by going straight to the the tribunal or something along those lines and it wasn't received so there very were well. two there was a tweet which was essentially John Ngoi has been referred to the tribunal. It was very matter of fact, no colour, just straight up and down. I think there was an Instagram post where there was a photo of Dugowie and it said straight to the tribunal. So you can kind of go with that. And this is such splitting hairs, semantics. But I think you say from that, okay, is it a little bit of a celebratory, not celebratory, but, you know, kind of hanging him out to dry sort of post there in that regard, rather than being very matter of fact and an update, it was a little bit more, whatever. That's where it stemmed from. It's bloody ridiculous. But anyway, the the apology to come out of that, it just felt like a, I don't know, it just felt like we rolled over. And then I know Keys is probably more, across it than I am but then the stuff that was coming out of Maguire's mouth as the, the week has gone on the <laughs> stuff that they're saying on, on every TV show and uh, I don't know by the time that rolled around um, and he actually got suspended I kind of felt like there was there's nothing more about the bump itself I'll get we'll, guess we'll get to the other stuff related to it that's you know the stuff that Schofield's been talking about and which a lot of our um, our board users had a lot to say about as well yeah which okay. yeah, yeah. more of the team thing but yeah that was my thoughts on it I'll um, I'll leave it to Keys. I'm sure he's got lots to say. We'll swing it back to the SCOE stuff in a bit in terms of the guys mm. flying the flag and, and standing up. But I mean, yeah, Keys, the the one that I couldn't abide and, and Bender summed it up beautifully there. <sighs> Whether they should have posted or not, who cares? Are you see, like how how soft are we? Where that's an issue, but you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, the the narrative for me though, keys that oh well, Hewitt, he's a young kid for a start. That's a non-starter for me. It was a non-starter when Gaff King hit Brayshaw. It's a non-starter now. If you're out there, you're out there. Who cares how old you are? First game, three hundredth game, whatever. Oh, he's a young kid. He shouldn't have been running there. Oh, he should have protected his face. Why didn't he protect himself? Why the fuck? Would anybody protect the center of their chin when they're dishing off a handball on a perfectly normal draw and handball thing? This is a drill that they do across the country on bloody Thursday night at every grade. Draw the man and handball. You don't expect him to Superman jump off the floor and run through you. So, I mean, that for me, Keys, was the one that I really didn't appreciate. But, I mean, yeah, what a week yeah. and, and a lot of angles to this. Yeah, it was one of those. I mean, it was, if you if you strip it back, it was a relatively routine late bump. I mean, yeah, you, sure. see, you see them from tight. You know, they come up, you know, not every week, but they come up, you know, semi-regularly where, you know, a guy doesn't contest the ball, he leaps off the ground and bumps somebody. I mean, you see it from time to time. So it, was, it wasn't it was great, but it was a relatively garden variety bump. And it was pretty much when you saw it happen, you're looking at it and going, well, that's straight to the tribunal, so it's going to be three, maybe four. Mm. And lo and behold, you know, he got, went to the tribunal, he pled guilty, he said, we'll, we'll wear the three, the AFL said we want four, and they, they turned around and they settled on three. I mean, it could have been, you know, maybe it should have been four. I don't, I don't, I don't really give a fuck. No, who cares, but, to be honest? Yeah, honestly, yeah. Three, three weeks, four weeks, it doesn't, it was always going to be one of those mm. two. Um, but then, yeah, just the absolute fucking mind fuckery media about the, the amount of tension it garnered because 
I mean, the tweet and Instagram were after it was announced. So it wasn't it wasn't the day after the game where well, it wasn't the night of the match where they've tweeted out, "Oh, this should go to the tribunal." They're not campaigning. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was it, the decision was <laughs> it's going straight to the tribunal. They didn't say that it didn't turn around and say, "Well, it should be this, it should be that." It was just really a um, okay. Clubs don't usually do that. I mean, I saw it on Twitter, and then look, I don't have. And it's just all of a sudden the, the Twitter feed was just full of fucking Collingwood soups bitching about, oh, what's this club? What's it got to do with you? One of our players got knocked the fuck out. What do you think? And it's like, okay, well, maybe they should have done it. Maybe they shouldn't have. It it wasn't going to change anything. But the, the amount, you, you'd think it was the other fucking way around. Um, I don't see what who yeah. who cares if 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 and, Frio and posted about Gaff to the tribunal. All right, it's news. Food. It's it's a social media feed for the fan of that club. Yeah. I don't follow and Collingwood. Then you, had, then you had the first one I saw was Grant Thomas, who's the, one of the biggest fuckheads in football, that Jesus. turned around and said, "Well, it's, it's Stewart's it's Stewart's fault because he didn't protect himself." And I was like, "He's just a fucking moron." Like you said. I mean, the good players will go, I know I'm going to get hit. They say, the hit's coming, I know it's going to do it, but I'm going to hold the ball and I'm going to wait for the bloke to get too close so I can release it without you know, without yep. him tackling my opponent and things like that. What you don't... Ex- he, he would have been expecting to be tackled. That's what he would have been doing because the guy who was running at him, he's going, this guy's coming in, he's going to tackle me, I'm going to draw it and I'm going to release the, fo- release the footy. And he did it. What he wouldn't be expecting was the dumb fuck to jump into his head and knock him out, and and I re- when it comes to the actual penalty, the goalie's lucky that they graded as careless because I reckon I could quite easily have made a case for intentional because when you watch it, when you watch the goalie, he's not got his arms out, so he's not trying to block the handball. He's not got his arms out as if he was going to tackle him. He had he basically has hands down by the side. He made the decision. The goalie made the decision three or four meters away that he was going to bump him. And you watch everything he does, all all his body mo- um, body language and that that is a bloke that's going to say, "Right, I've got this kid. I'm going to whack him." It wasn't, "Oh shit, I need to tackle him. I need to get him. I need to block the handball." Hewitt had no, he had no reason. Plus, Hewitt was, he picked the ball up at, it was a really good pickup, by the way, at full speed and was running full pelt in an arc back towards his goals. Mm. Um, there's no way knowing that he's expecting that sort of bump. And then, and I thought, okay, well, Grant Thomas is an idiot, so you put that to bed. But then you get someone like Nathan Buckley, who is normally pretty measured. He came yeah, he's out, been very good in the media since he yeah, finished he, up coaching. He's come out and gone, you know, he should have maybe protected himself a little bit. He's just, he's just scratching head going, what the fuck is going on with this? It's like, how is, how is it his fault? It's like... It's not a boxing match. You don't have to protect yourself at yeah, all times. You know, yeah, you, you don't... Have, it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like... Well, I, you, and it wasn't... It's not... I mean, I understand there's times where there's a loose ball and a guy will go down and he won't... He'll go down with his head down and a bloke coming, uh, coming the other way will turn side on and get him in the head. And you go, yeah, well, that bloke just shouldn't... He should have actually turned his body because it's a loose ball you're trying to connect, contest and pick up. Hewitt had the footy. Mm. It's, it's the reasonable expectation thing. If you're body lining a footy and you approach it in a, whatever the word might be, an inappropriate way or, you know, maybe a way that opens yourself up a little bit, I understand how you might come up with that thing and go, oh, yeah, he got cleaned up. Maybe he next time he hits a contest, he might want to do this or do that. You don't hit a con- You don't have the footy and go, right, I've got to get the footy and I've got to make sure I get rid of it legally, prior opportunity, where's my teammate, how do I find... Oh, and also all the time, I've got to make sure that nobody king hits me. You're not thinking that because it's not part of the game. And when people do it, they get rightfully rubbed out. You look at that one, the one where, it's bizarre. Where, Pickett, where Pickett launched himself at, I think it was Bulldogs player, where you know, Pickett decided to become a, a missile. Oh, that was a fast though. That doesn't apply. That's such a... 
Um, but but you look at that. I, I don't remember one person turning around saying, "Well, that bulldogs player should have protected himself." Mm. Yeah, you know, no, because he just, shouldn't have because he turned I, himself I, into I'm a fucking missile. That, but, <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's like yeah, the rules are meant to protect a player. That's the whole idea. When you play, you, you don't expect that type of contact. That's what's. Um, but anyway, it's. Uh, and then and, the... And I think the the worst thing about the worst thing about the the media thing was I and because poor old Dommy's turning around, he's not the brightest tool in the shed. It said, "Oh, you know, could be a month." He's actually right because if he had got four weeks like the AFL asking for, to go wouldn't be playing until July fifteen, which is forty two days, which is a month or two thereabouts. If so he says Dom, a month or so, it's a non starter. It's because he said a month or two. But once again, yeah, who but, cares? But Are we that precious? But the the, the worst I, I I know why I, I think I know why the club apologised. I don't think that they didn't need to. No okay, yeah, and, yeah. and what they did, the actually apology made it worse because it just pissed yeah, it disappointed us. Like, what are you fucking apologising and I think the problem is because of where we're at as a club at the moment we're getting everything we do is getting scrutinised everything mm. we do we're getting hammered for and all of a sudden it was all all this, all this shit about you know or what you the criticism and I think we're I, I think as a club we are um, I can't. I can't think of the word. Um, we're very sensitive to criticism at the minute, sure. and I think that's for that. I was like, oh shit, we, you know, okay, we'll apologise for it. They're trying to try and take the controversy out of it, and unfortunately for them, I think all they did, they just they just threw petrol on the fire, um, and they just ended up making it worse. But if they had just turned around and just ignored the criticism, I think it probably would have. Um, everyone just would have put it down to a bunch of sooky fucking la la Collingwood supporters, um, and it would have it would have gone away. Um, but yeah, and then and then the whole um, I, I normally like Will Schofield, but I don't think he's been particularly helpful towards the club. In... Well, that's not his job. In fairness to him, he's just well, called how not, he says it. It's not. He's, he's called it how he's seen it, but I think he's um, he's taken a reasonable point and extrapolated out a lot further than what than what needed to be. Um, and I think he's he's made it on several occasions. He's got a lot of platforms, so he's made it on every platform. So, um, and I think. I think he's a little bit off the mark as well, but you know, I'll let you guys have your say on what your thoughts on him is. Yeah, so talk to me on that one then, Bender. Obviously, one of the criticisms moving away from the bloody media hoo-ha afterwards, <laughs> there there and then, time and place, you know, to go, he's just laid out somebody, all right, you might even add the extra element and say, okay, he's laid out one of your kids, but it doesn't matter who, really. It shouldn't matter to me, it doesn't. Where's the fight? Where's the flying the flag? Where's the teammates coming in and remonstrating? You have to keep your head. You can't make it worse. You can't reverse the free kick. You know, we need all the help we can get. But equally, you need to show a bit of fight and a little bit of a little bit of fire, a little bit of passion. So where, where do you sit on that? Because that's certainly another element that has come out throughout all of this. Uh, look, I'm, fit. I'm a little bit more measured than I would say your average Eagles supporter. I think at the time, I felt like, where are the people? Why isn't anyone stepping in and giving him a shove? I don't think anyone needed to punch him. I don't think anyone needed to get him in a headlock or anything like that. No, someone no. probably should have come over and had a word and said, okay, you know, you made it at least look like that they, they were a little bit upset by the event um I, I will admit at the time i was like oh geez that's that's a little bit quiet like it was it was similar to when when staker punched hall um the way around sorry, staker, hall punched staker excuse me um <laughs> yeah yeah like, i think that's when you should have 22 guys jumping on someone you know what i mean um and sure, at that yeah. time we only had i think from memory bo waters run over run up and fall over i think um great man. if anyone but, this but um what was it sorry yeah 
it didn't it didn't go well anyway so i'm getting i'm digressing um but so at the time i thought like i was a little bit a little bit of a, a you know no response kind of surprised me a little bit but then uh, later on when they when people started going on about it i was just like uh like, I don't think it kind of I cared that much about that. No one did did a great deal anyway. I don't know. Is that is that reflective of how I feel about the Eagles at the moment? That I didn't really care a great deal, or is it just me? I'm unsure. But uh, yeah, I, just, that's I don't know. It just doesn't one. seem like a huge deal to me that Schofield's making. Um, I I'm pleased to say that people went over and checked on him for a start because the thing mm. I always think of is when they just leave the guy laying there on the floor and then they all go in for the jumper punches in the scrum. Like, are you going to check on this guy? We're we just going to wait for the physios to come over while all the the you know big tough bastards do the pushing and shoving. Like somebody go and check on this kid, please. So I don't know. At least people checked on him. For me, I think as you say, there's a little bit of a air of ambivalence around the Eagles from a fan perspective in some cases, just obviously with what they're serving up and and what we're sitting through for large parts of the season. But equally, you know, you do want to see that fight. You do. We, we're praising the passion. We're praising the what I would call the real fight, which is the tackling and the pressure and forcing turnovers, forcing Collingwood onto the back foot. I'd rather see that a hundred times out of a hundred than somebody coming over and giving a bit of push and shove. But I understand it. I think it's reasonable to want a response at the time. In the same way that I'm not drawn by needing footage of a coach screaming in the coaching box to tell me he gives a shit. Every now and then you do see it and you go like, all right, good. You know, it's it's one of those things where once in a while it's you know it's it's an entertainment industry. I guess that's part of the entertainment. <laughs> Keys, just yeah. while we're talking suspensions and match review, you can. Have, have you say about the uh, the push and shove, but also we'll tie this into Liam Duggan because he was suspended. We were going to appeal it. There was a chance he got off and then uh, turns out he's in hospital. He's got an infection, so he wasn't going to play anyway. We withdrew the appeal, but another one there with the arms pinned and player not trying to protect himself if that enters into it, or maybe it doesn't because the whistle's gone, whatever, whatever. Liam Duggan offered a week as well, Case. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's got, the other thing with the, the remonstrating was that play moved quite quickly and the ball ended up with Jemison's, in Jemison's hand, you had a shot at goal. So what you don't really want to do is be giving away a free kick because you want to go on and swing a big dick around and push and shove and cost yourself a goal. So there's that. I think, yeah, we probably could have, um, uh, the players maybe, even if in the moment you didn't go and push and shove, I think we could have maybe put a little bit of GST on the um, on the go. You know, during the game, you know, if you tackle him, you know, put a little bit extra on it and, and make him a bit more aware of it. I mean, the crowd did. There was a young Collingwood supporter. I want to say young, well, young by my standards. She was an adult. She wasn't too impressed with me booing Goey and telling him to go back to the goal square repeatedly. Nice. Um, but, you know, that's, 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 his, that's to Goey's fault. Go and take it up with him. He might touch her up. Um, Jesus Christ, Case. Um, so I, I just think it was probably blown. It's been blown out of a proportion a little bit. But, you know, sometimes you do want to see the, the guys flying the flag a little bit sometimes. Mm. And I think it's a reflection of we're a young side. We had a lot of young players out there who probably aren't um, of that mindset that that's what they're going to do. Um, and I think one of our, on a broader scale, one of our things as a football club is we actually don't have a lot of that type of player that would run in and, you know, we had um, we got rid of two of them last year. Nelson and Redden are the two guys that you would ex- would have, if they were playing, you would have expected to go and do that. Yeah. Um, you know, in the past, we've had Bo Waters um, and Daniel Chick. Um, you know, but we don't have a lot of those. Um, the guys with a bit of a campaigner to them. We don't, as a club, we don't have a lot of those sort of players. 
So we don't have the sort of guys that would go and remonstrate anyway. Mm. Um, the Duggan one, yeah, look, I don't think there was a hell of a lot in the tackle. I don't think there's been... I think that the pendulum on dangerous tackles has swung a bit too far the other way from what it was early in the season. I think they're... You know, you, you're sort of you're getting like three or four guys getting taken to try to the MRO um, a week because of dangerous tackles, and I think some players are putting a bit of mayo on it. And I think Adams certainly put a bit of mayo. I, I think you know you, you watch him lying on the ground and you go, oh, gee, that looks pretty bad. But then as soon as he gets free, he gets back up on his feet and he's um he's off again. So I don't I don't think there was a hell lot of tackle. I don't think it helped Duggan that um the whistle had been blown, yeah, that, that's which the is one. one of the ones that um you, you know is split second. But that probably if it had gone to the tribunal, I don't think it would have been helped. Um, I don't like the suspension. I don't think it was worth a week. I don't think it would have succeeded had we gone to the tribunal. Okay. Um, uh, that's not because I agree with the tribunal, but that's just my read on it. And I think, unfortunately, um, and I think the club probably looked at it once. They, um, how, you, how you end up in hospital because you cut your toe, I don't know. It sums up our season. Um, it's like, must have been a fair fucking cut, but I don't know. And I don't know how... Andrew in the comments still. here, by the way. Andrew says Eagles going so well, you can't even get a player to the tribunal without him getting hurt, which very is a very good. fair call. The, 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 problem, the problem was twofold with the tribunal is it meant that Duggan was in hospital. It meant he wouldn't be able to um, give evidence to the tribunal. Yeah, but um, also, what's the point? And, and and there's no point to it. And on a on a 50-50 decision, so you're, you're sort of rolling the dice on it. Even if you won, the guy's not going to be playing. If you lose, you've burnt 10 grand or whatever it is. And that mm. 10 grand comes out of the soft cap. So, so and we start the whole really, thing up again. So it's like, well, you know, what, what, what's you? You're risking ten thousand on a fifty-fifty roll of the dice. That even if you win, you actually don't because the guys are going to play anyway. So. Mm. Um, it's a it's a pragmatic. I know I've seen comments turn around and say, "Well, yeah, it's the principle, the thing, the guy. It wasn't. It shouldn't have been suspended for it and things like that." It's principle, but I think there's a point in time where you just got to turn around and you just say, "Yeah, well, look, this is a fucking hand we've been dealt," and you just do, and for one of a board mean, you fold. Nicely done. All right, we'll move away from the uh, from the suspensions, from the match review, from the Collingwood game in general. Uh, Bender, we'll talk about this one, and I think I, I think there's a chance we'll bring it back up again once we hit heroes and villains. But uh, Nick Natanui has officially had his season shut down; it has been confirmed, season over. Uh, a comment earlier in the show, very first up comment here from Mark, so we'll circle back to that one. Look, tell us your thoughts, Bender, on Nick Nat shut down for the season, how we've handled it, could we have done it sooner and opened up a list spot, all of these things. And then Mark also here in the comments is asking, will Nick Nat play another game of AFL considering how banged up his body is? He is contracted for next year, but obviously we've seen last season, the Eagles are happy to move a little bit early and maybe it might be one of those times to just call it. What's your thoughts, Bender? Uh, is anyone surprised? That's the, that's the question I would like to ask for the past however many weeks he hasn't budged on the um, mm. the injury list. Um, I think they've explained it pretty well. I think Simpson explained it pretty well that he's had setbacks and they've been waiting for them to see how they would go. Um, look, it's disappointing. I think he's most people's most entertaining player to watch if you're an Eagles fan. Um, it's pretty sad that where it is at the moment, um, unfortunately, no, I don't have a huge amount of faith that he will ever play again. Um, I think it'd be tough. I think it'd be great if he did come back next year. I mean, he's contracted. It's worth a go, but is it just mm-hmm. going to be another list spot um, that we 
we can't afford to just have sitting stagnant or you know not doing anything um but yeah it's it's sad i think the 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 one that i'm finding most interesting to come out of all this this week is how you know it could have been how people are saying it should have been announced a week ago we could have taken a second round second pick in the mid-season draft uh, look what w- what that would have done i have no idea but I, I do i am intrigued by the the rumor that's starting to gain traction i think Emily said something about it on on the radio today yep. that they didn't want to announce it last week because of the um salary cap possibilities that we couldn't even fit a mid-season drafter drafty into our side which I guess if you're taking into that whole, I don't know, Keys has brought it up on the board, the whole injured player payments, um, game payments or whatever that you get, if you're on the injury list or the long-term injury list, that you still get paid out of your games that you don't play. Um, if that's affecting our cap or if we're just so tight that we couldn't afford a kid into into the list, I think that's what the most, that's really big me. Um, sadly, I'm just kind of a little bit numb to the, the injury status <laughs> and this is just another one where I'm kind of like, oh, big surprise, you know, but that's just me, I guess. Uh, so on the nickname thing for me, I mean, I'm gutted. I think he's our most important player. I think he has been for a long time, even when Kennedy was at his absolute best. I think Nick Nat's our, been our most important player by a mile. You can cover Gov or Barass or Shuey or whatever it might be. We've got no cover for Nick. Um, obviously, look, he's, he's time's coming to finish up. We know that. If it's not this year, it, it'll almost certainly be next year. Um, for me, shutting him down now, look, the comms, bombarding the comments talking about the commentary around his return and all of this sort of stuff. I think that's the disappointing part early is... Yeah, he's going to be touch and go for round one. Uh, maybe it'll be round two. Maybe it'll be round six. Uh, we've shut him down back after the year. He'll be back. And then Bender, as you noted there, he, his return date didn't move. He was, you know, six weeks away or something for about a month in a row. And then suddenly he's he's done. So the comms is frustrating. And I understand the nature of the medical side of things. It's it's ridiculous to think you could pinpoint a day every time. But it, it's just been disappointing, this one. For me, though, Keys, I mean, we've talked about not opening up the list spot to try and get these guys back and get a look at them in the system or try and make calls on these guys. I'm interested to see what they do with Nick. I think there's a chance they just call it. I know that he's a bit of a, an immediate boost. And let's be honest, this is a club and a team really that needs some wins on the board, not just in terms of, oh, they need a little bit of promise. They need to show you the shape of the team. They need to start putting some wins on the board sooner rather than later, you know, over a span of a few years. And Nick Nat is worth a few wins to this team. He, he just is. He's our best contested midfielder. He's still probably the best tap ruckman in the league, even if he couldn't get off, off the ground anymore. So I don't think they'll shut him down early. Uh, you know, I don't think they'll call his contract early. I think they'll try and get him ready for next year and, and give him a crack and give him a bit of a send-off. And frankly, I think he deserves it. But yeah, it's just a it's a tough one to swallow. It's just a, a disappointing one in general for me with that. Your thoughts on Nick and then also the salary thing. For me, we've got a lot of guys going on his last year, Gaff's on his second last year. I know we fit Kelly in, but Kennedy's come off, Shuey's come off big money, Hearn wouldn't be on anything. I, I'm very surprised to hear that we're supposedly got some sort of cap stitch up because I can't really make it fit. Although if somebody like Embers is saying it, who you'd say would have connections, maybe there's there's more uh, truth to it than not. Um, yeah, firstly, um, Nick's, I think from the time he kicked... Uh... Three goals in a in a thunderstorm against Hawthorne back in two thousand and nine or whatever it was. Mm. He's been my favourite player to watch. You know, he's he's, he's been he, he came to the club when they were at a really really low ebb. He gave everyone hope, and he's been a beacon ever since. Um, he's been just a such a good role model for everybody. For someone that could quite easily have been a complete asshole, he's as humble and everything like that off the field. He gives his all. Um, so it's sad, but I think we've. I think the likelihood is we've seen him play his last game because okay. Achilles is a is a shit of an injury. 
and I think a lot of the a lot of the criticism around the comms and things like that is a a byproduct of the type of injury it is. It's difficult to manage. It's difficult mm. to predict. Um, he's having surgery. How he comes out of that is is really unknown. This is. I mean, they didn't put him in surgery six months ago because it's a shit of a thing to have to do, and it's really hard to come back from. Um, it's a, it is a last resort type type scenario. Um, can he come back? I don't know. They'll give him the chance. I mean, he's having the operation next week. Um, list, list lodgement list lodgement deadlines aren't until the end of October. Yeah. So we've got. There's nothing. We don't need to do anything with him on the list until the end of October at the at the um, at the earliest. So. That's, you know, four months away. So we've got a fair bit of time to see how he comes back and, and things like that. Um, if it looks like the operation was a success, I suspect that we'll probably roll him over into next year um, and then make a decision before... I forget when it is. It's usually around about February or March that you have the window for a, what they call them, like a supplementary list. So yeah. SSP, the, 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 the window for that closes just before... Yeah, you know, around about February, March. So um, I think we might give him until then. So we get him back in, get him into a pre-season, see how he's going. Um, we might shut him down then, retire him and open up a list spot and we can pick up a guy through the supplementary selection period. Um, I, if I had money, that's how I think it will transpire. Um, just how he's going. Yeah, you know, we might if he's if he recovers and the surgery goes well and everything like that. You know, we maybe maybe we'll um, roll him out for next year. Um, the salary cap, not taking a, a a second pick last week because of the salary cap um, is bullshit. Because <laughs> All right. here we go. Because the guy, if we did take a second pick, the salary of that guy would be is a rookie, and the rookie list wages aren't part of the salary cap. They come out of the soft cap. So um, if he played in the AFL, then it sort of changes around. But if we kept it in the waffle for the last three months of the year, um, what we're paying him has no bearing on the salary cap anyway. So um, I saw uh, a tweet from Ben Cameron sort of suggesting, I know because of that, um, I like Andrew Embley and he might have connections in the club. What he doesn't have connections to is guys telling him where our salary cap position is. So he's guessing. Um, and look, and great footballer. I don't think he's that bright. So oh, he's going out and saying, um, "Well, the reality is, like I said, there's a rookie wage. If he stays on rookie, on, uh, he stays on the rookie list. His it has zero impact on the salary cap. The far and I would have thought if there's if there's match payments and the like, I would have thought we're well ahead on things like that, given the injuries yeah, to some and, of the and, guys. And, our, and the reality is. Our salary cap is is absorbing roughly. If you do the calcs, our salary cap this year is absorbing about half a mil of match payments to mm. injured players. Because what Bender alluded to is it's something I was only I can't remember who posted it on the board and they made the comment is if a guy gets injured during a game and they can't play, they get their match payments each week for a maximum of thirty weeks as if they played. So okay, so you look at the look at the derby. We lost mm. McGovern, Cripps, and Ryan in that match who still haven't played. That's 10 games ago. Minimum match payment in the CBA is five grand a game. So that's 15 grand a week for those three times 10. That's 150,000 we're paying those guys. And the guys who are replacing them, they actually play. So they get their five grand. Cully's, Cully's out for the season. He was round six or seven. So there's 16 rounds. So he's 16 times five. So there's another 80. Um, every guy... Um, Keys, by you know, the way. West, it's a quick maths. 
Yeah, we'll have um, to check my calculator so on that you, one. You, you, you run yeah. through it, and we're, we're, we've set fire to probably, by well, the end of the season, we'll probably fire to about half a mil, which is about 4% of salary cap. So, and, and I was like, like half, a, half a mil, that's like we've got half decent players on half a mil. Mm. So, if you want to say, yeah, our salary cap might be tight because when you, the list manager, when he sits down and works out his contract payments and things like that, he isn't planning on a hundred matches worth of match payments to guys sitting in the grandstand, and that's that's the reality. So, and that's on top of the probable three or four or five hundred thousand that we paid last year for the same fucking thing. Fun times, fun so, times to be. So, I, I think there's so so I'll go off track a little bit, but with with that, no, we, I, I think a part of it is. The problem we've got with our comms is we're we're clear as mud, and we're not we don't have a we we have a long standing history of being very very opaque in our comms, and I think the problem with those chickens are coming home to roost because with Nat Nui, I think there's the comms around Nat Nui have actually been probably okay if you actually knew the full story because I think if you wind it all back, Nat Nui actually had a pretty good preseason. He played mm. one. He was he, he was there's, there's actually you go you go back to February and there's news paper report saying how good that knew he looked in the um in the intra clubs then he had a flare up with his achilles and they sort of you know and the mistake they made straight up was they pretended it was only a week thing whereas simpson came out a bit later and said look we probably knew it was going to be a month or so yeah and that's the mistake they made because they could have said they should have said then look it's going to be a month and we're going to try and see the problem is they ran with the one thing the week and said oh yeah you know, he's going to be back soon um which wasn't really the truth and then when it didn't, after a month where it really wasn't responding to the treatment, then they came clean and said, well, look, it's a bit longer, but we don't quite know. And then they sort of they came out. And I think what, what the issue with Nat Nui was, and I think when they, they started getting all the shit about TBCs, so they said, oh, shit, we need to put a timeline. So they put like seven or eight or six or seven weeks for Nat Nui. And I think the reality for that was is once they got his Achilles settled, he would need six or seven weeks worth of pre-season to get him ready to play footy again mm. and then so they've done that and they said six or seven weeks then it wasn't yeah it wasn't he needed to turn a corner and he never did so that's why you still got that six or seven weeks because it wasn't responding and then they've turned around and gone well shit something's going wrong here and then some journos and um the miguel sanchez's of the world started to say wait a minute there's been six or seven weeks for like four or five weeks what the fuck is going on and they went to tbc and then they yeah uh, and i listened to simpson on 6PR tonight, and he said, look, it didn't, he had a bit of a setback, so we went and got some more stuff, and it, like the scans came back, they weren't good, so we decided to put it in, and he said, he actually sounded kind of pissed, and he said, look, the decision on Mick had nothing to do with the mid-season draft, it was like, those mm. two things are independent of each other, he said, people don't understand how these things work, um, it's just, that's how it is, um, and I think as much as... Um, I don't like the club's comms, and I don't think they're like I said they're they're very they're very opaque. I think one guy who generally tries to tell it as it is as best he can is Timo. And if you go back through everything he's said over the last three years, um, he's tried to be as upfront with people as perhaps he's allowed, and he hasn't always he hasn't always been fully upfront, like with the Nick thing with the one week at the early in the season. But that that decision on him, and you could tell him, you could tell in the press conference where he actually came clean, he was clearly pissed off. That that he was running that one week charade for a while, mm. and I think, and I think a fair bit of why we came clean was probably him saying, "I'm sick of this shit. We need to tell people what's going on." So, yeah, that's my rant done. Oh, 
All right, we've got a little bit of footy to cover still, so we'll uh, whip through some heroes and villains. Uh, anybody got a hero nomination for this week? Bender, anybody done right by us? Uh, no. <laughs> my, my, my hero was Yo, um, I think, for um, reminding me what I like about the footy when I'm watching what him play. feel again? <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, yeah, so... so he was probably he's the best year. So it really springs to mind from not a great week, put it that way. Uh, Dom Sheed as well, forty plus touches and a goal, one fiftieth game against Collingwood. Sort of script writes itself in a way. That was good to see. Uh, Marrick, we'll touch on Marrick Keys a little later on when we get back on field and talk about the Adelaide game. But we talked about him last week. Did we give it? To, did he win last week? I can't remember if we gave it to him last week or not. But he's done. Well, I'm, ex- I'm yeah. excited yeah. for him. So have, anyway, I, there you go. Um, I have a pseudo um, hero of the week who has okay. is automatically disqualified from winning it before I even say his name. Is it um, yeah, for <laughs> actually for for. For once this year, actually getting something wrong, right? Not once getting something wrong. He's a, who actually came out and made a tweet about the best fans of AFL at West Coast because we're going through all this shit, but we still come out and support the club and and back them. So for once in his dull, drilly, fuckhead life, he got something right. So wow. Okay, uh, Kim endorsing that one as well. Not sure what you think about Kane yeah. Corns, but he did say the Eagles are the best fans in yeah, the country. He got a bit of fan has, service, so that's that's nice. He Love has that. a permanent disqualification for being called the hero of the week, so he can't win. But he'll get a I won't even say honorary mention. I'll give I'll just just a mention. Sure, there you go. Um, Come on down. Uh, good to see some training I'm footage back, this I'm week, by in, the way. Um, I'm back in Dom Sheed for hero of the week because I got the shout out Sheed from the boundary when he slaughtered that goal in the second quarter. Nice, very good. Yeah, I reckon it'll be hard pressed. To beat Dom Sheed if we're not giving it to the debutante. I think 40 plus and a goal against the Pies probably writes itself. So Dommy Sheed can be our hero of the week. Uh, villains, look, we've talked about a few issues throughout the piece without retreading the ground there in terms of, look, the Dugowie chat was terrible. The uh, Some of the Duggan chat, some of the Nick Nat chat, it's all been a bit frustrating. But uh, Bender, anybody else that we probably haven't touched on yet worth a nomination this week? I think we've covered them. But my um, my, my, my particular peeve was the, um, the remorse discount, um, which... You know, it might not have been that particularly exactly. We've got to drop a week off it. I just, I didn't think it needed mm. to be mentioned. The whole remorse thing. I, I think. I, I, the re- I don't know. I the remorse. Don't, poor precedent. Yeah, the remorse discount and the the discount for um the bad publicity because of the um mm. of the week and the gun that's been put through the ringer. If only that, he were a good bloke, he could have got off entirely. Bloody hell, he's got this down from yeah. eight weeks down um, to three. <laughs> The other, the other one I want to, the winner is that, um, but also want to, the, the John Ralphs and the Jay Clarks of this world, who I've listened, I've read a couple of things and, and heard a couple of things from both those peanuts during the course of this week in the, um, you know, in the in the discussion around the number one draft pick, which as it stands, we look, you know, a fairly good, what fairly good bet that that's what we'll end up. But both of them had said, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it said the same thing, that Hayley Reid is a generational talent, is the best player in the draft by an absolute mile, and all the other clubs should be doing everything they could, can, to try and get the number one draft pick off West Coast. Mm. In the next breath, they turn around and say, but if you go through history, um, the number one draft pick is really the best player in the draft, so West Coast should, dra- should trade the number one pick. 
Nice, that's good. So it's in in the space of two sentences, they completely contradict themselves. You can't turn around and say, guys, a generation talent, and the club should be shoving everything they can to try and get him, and then turn around and say, but he's probably not going to be the best player in the draft, so you should trade the number one pick so you don't get him. You can make is, one or the you can make one argument or the other, but you can't make fucking both. How many guys go in a normal draft? Sixty odd, seventy some some years yeah. depends on. I you mean, know. I'm, I'm not. It's it's way too early to be talking about splitting pick one. We don't even have pick one yet. We might not. We may or may not end up having yeah, it. Yeah. The discussion around splitting it is just fucking absurd until you see the guys play it and you know what you're what you're doing. But just the the total absurdity of suggesting a guy is that good, but then also saying he's not going to be the best player in the draft is you've got to have a pretzel in your brain to make that sort of Logically. If he's there, but, look, we all, I, I'm not a draft guy. I talk about this a lot. If he's there, if he's that good, allegedly, then just take him. What I was going to say before is you get you, you yeah. pick one has one chance to be the best player in the draft, and every other pick has 70 chances to be the best player in the draft. It's going to work out more often than not. But if he's that good, just take him. Who cares? We're, we're, and we're, we're five months out from the draft, so it's just like just fuck up, shut up, piss off. I think it's more it's more it's more a fact that there's a there's a Victorian that's gonna be the number one draft pick and they can't stand the idea that he might come to the West Coast. Anyway, Adelaide Nicely done. It's uh it's definitely Jordan Degoe in the general chat that week. Yeah, very good. Right, Adelaide, round thirteen. We play Adelaide. We did this this time last year, I feel. We played the Crows, then we went into a bye, and it actually was one of our more palatable games of football in that space. We've played a few semi-palatable games of football, Bender, coming into it. Now, we talked about the injuries. As I said, we are up to 2,300 games of experience on the injury list. It was about 2,100-odd, but then uh, you add in Duggan, who actually wasn't listed, even though he was in hospital. Let's have a look at the ins and outs, because they are plentiful. Clark, Darling, Edwards, Marrick in for a debut, SPS and Shuey is back. Out is Hewitt, Hearn, Duggan, Jamo, Rotham and West. So fair bit of ins and outs, fair bit of movement. Uh, we talked pre-show about the back line and I don't want to read it because I don't want to cry on air, but I'm pretty sure that is our worst ever named back line, certainly in recent memory, certainly in the 2000s that I can think of. But midfield looks okay. Forward line has a little bit of shape to it. Oscar Allen's a star. He might have a little bit more support and nice to see Long out there. Nice to see Marek out there. The Crows are a decent side this year, though, is the other side of that coin. And given the back line and given where the Crows are at, I suspect we might be in for another long day. How do you uh, how do you read this round 13 clash, Bender? Yeah, I, I don't want to steal Keyes' thunder, saying, but it, I think before we came on air, he was talking about our starting back six. There's no one no one there. Um, and if you look at the, the Crows team on paper, their forward line is formidable. Like, it, you know, that's their so. best part of the ground. Um, so if they get the ball in there, it's likely they're probably going to score at least every second inside 50 looking at that um, mm. which means it's going to be a lot of a lot of scoring being done um, my biggest worry is th- though I do like him as a player look I, I, I rate Waterman I think he's a great third tool I think he's a little bit maligned I like what he brings to the table when the team is fit um, yep. I don't think he offers much as a back in terms of I don't think he's just going to get burnt on the lead I think he's a little bit too slow and reactive but he's the best we can we can offer unfortunately at mm. this point in time besides Bazo who's who's young and experienced so we've got Bazo and Waterman as our one and two key backs Waterman who's played a little bit of loose back you know in a you know sort of hunter throwing forward throwing back sort of way but he hasn't really played it played it 
Uh, Key's going up against Fogarty, going up against Tex in his, what is he, 250th or 300th? He's playing some sort of some sort of game there. 250, there you go. Uh, good on him. He's overcome so, so much. Uh, but yeah, look, it's a it's a tough backline on paper. The backline forward line matchup looks horrendous. Kim in the comments is asking, how can the mids help the backline? And I think we saw it against the Pies. It's winning the clearances for me. And you look at Shuey, okay, we might have to break glass in case of emergency here and maybe bring him back early. Maybe we wanted to nurse him through to the bye, but it's going to be Shuey, Sheed, Yo, Kelly. I mean, for the first time in a long time, that's actually the midfield that we wanted when we made the Kelly deal. That's what we were thought we were getting into. And as it turns out, we're sending him over to Adelaide Oval expecting to get slaughtered. So what do you what do you think we're walking into here? Yeah, the mids are going to have to do a hell of a lot of heavy lifting in this one because it's probably, um, aside from Williams rucking instead of Nat Nui, it's probably about as strong a midfield as we can conceivably yeah. put out there. Um, yeah. You know, it's been a long... It, it's been, I sort of did some rough looking. It's been 2021 since we had Sheed, Yo, Shuey and Kelly in the same side. Um, so it's been a long time coming where we've had those four. Um, and... The, the best way to stop Adelaide scoring is to not let the ball get down there because um, our back line is is hopelessly undermanned. It's not a it's not a criticism of the, the, the men involved that are down there, but you're going to have... I tried to do some rough matchups. You're probably going to have... Um, Bazo's probably going to have to take uh, Dilthorpe because... Oh, I forgot about him, yeah. Um, Another one. Because... Dilthorpe's what he's six foot eight, something like that, two hundred and <laughs> something centimeters. So Bazo's at whatever Bazo is, I think he's one hundred ninety-seven, hundred ninety-eight, maybe one hundred ninety-six. He's our tallest defender, so he's going to have to take take him. Um, one ninety-five. He is listed at on the website, just as a heads up. Sorry, one ninety-five on the website. Yeah. So I mean, so he's going to see um, Waterman's going to have to take um, either Walker or Fogarty, which is a horrible mismatch either way. Um, Witherden's probably going to have to take Fogarty, and Fogarty. I actually looked this up during the week. Where his bunnies? Fogarty's very good, top. but he does he does in, kill in, us in six in six games against us. He's kicked sixteen goals for the only mm. other side. He's average. That's that's the most goals he's kicked against any other side. The only other side he's averaging more goals per game against his North Melbourne and he's kicked 11 from 4 against North so he likes playing us um, he kicks accurately against us because he's kicking at 80% against us um, so Witherden or perhaps Foley has to take Fogarty then we've got to try and we've got to find a matchup for Rankin we've got to find a matchup for Rochelle when he's down there um, I'm thinking maybe Hoff to Rankin um Foley to Rochelle, but Adelaide have got one of the best, most exciting forwards in the comp. Mm. Um, and where you know, as Ben, I, I said before the show, McGovern, Barras, Hearn, Duggan, Cole, Jones. If you wanted to put our best twenty-two on the plate, they're probably our starting back six. Yep. They're all missing, and we're also missing Harry Edwards and Josh Rotham, who are our third and fourth choice. Probably, or well, Rotham's probably behind Bazo to be honest. So they're third and fifth choice best key defenders. So the fact we're playing Waterman at centre-half back is if you haven't got a better clue as to how we're struggling down back, mm. that's it. There's just no... Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to have to do a power work for the midfield just to stop the ball going anywhere. If the Crows midfield gets on top, this could get this game has the potential to get really, really ugly because if the ball's getting in there cleanly, we are not going to be able to stop them scoring. And this is a sort of game where, um, and, and, and as a side generally, like Walker and Fogarty in particular are very good kicks at goal. So if mm. they get if they get good looks at goal from 
from Marks, they could easily kick six or seven each, maybe more. So, Jesus. Um, you, you, and we, and, and just, you suspect there'll be a bit of feeding going on there with Walker in a milestone game as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if they, if if, if the um, if the Adelaide mids get on top and they start walking the ball out of the centre and feeding that forward line, we're looking at we're looking at thirty goals. Um, Bloody hell! That's what I, I was think, thinking it, last week. It, it that's is, what I thought last week. Yeah, I, I'm, so that's that's why it's on the mid. I, I mean, look, I think um, Adelaide's forward line is actually better than Collingwood's. In ter- when you look at the, the personnel oh, yeah. they've got, um, I mean, I mean, you look at that, the, the the Collingwood side with that midfield. If they actually had, you know, you've got the dumb fuck American as their leading forward, um, and they can still kick eighteen goals. That's my um, check slander, by the way. My check is their leading no, forward. My, to no, be clear. I'm not slandering my check. My check's a very. I like my check. He's a great. Yeah, he's he's, great. he's uh, I said last week. He's one of. He's one of my favourite non-Eagles players. Um, but yeah, if if Collingwood, if sorry, Adelaide start walking in there, we're in. We're in a world of, of hurt. Um, on the flip side, if we can start getting into our own forward line, um, with some regularity and 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 try and clean it up a little bit, we've got Alan and Darling, and we've got. SPS was actually pretty pivotal in yeah, our ball movement. Yeah, you know, you know, we got SPS will be able to um, hopefully be able to provide a little bit of forward line pressure. Um, and we got long. You know, Ryan Merrick, Merrick is going to Ryan Merrick's going to do an Andrew Tranquilly and um, for fans of last week's podcast and kick six goals on debut. Nice. Um, so you know if we get it in there, because unfortunately for Adelaide, um, Tom Dade's done an ACL, so he's out. Mm. Um, so I don't want, I don't want, but that I, I hate sort of being positive about other clubs' injuries, but that's that's a bit of a blow for them. Um, but I still got um, uh, Butts down there, who's a pretty decent defender, and also I think Murray's been having a pretty good year as well. So, um, but at least at least with Darling back, um, Oscar gets a little bit of help down there. So if our mids, if we can get the same um, inside uh, inside 50 split as we did against Collingwood, where it's basically even, yeah. um, you know, we can, we won't win, but we can keep the damage minimally. But if, if the mids don't step up and we get like a, you know, 60, 60 inside 50s to 40 split. Yeah, that um, back line's in strife. It's going to get ugly. And if and if they really do start walking out and they start getting 65, 70 inside 50s, that's why I'm saying 30 goals is is on the table if um if the midfield pressure doesn't doesn't eventuate. Uh, Bender, do you know the team that we played last time that we had Kelly, Shuey, Sheed, and Yo available? Uh, I, my initial thoughts were the Richmond game. Abadega. Yeah. I <laughs> okay, thought, well, there I you thought, go. I thought, I thought the Richmond game where we won. Is that right? Oh, well, maybe I've missed one. Based on Key's reaction, he knew the answer. I thought it was a Freo derby that we lost the last derby of 2021, but that was Kelly got subbed out within about 10 minutes of that game starting. I- I'm what I was going to say was the time before that, we beat Adelaide at Adelaide Oval by 40 points. It was around 16-17 oh, okay. of 2021. That's mm. where I was going with that. But I don't know. I, look, who's to say? I'll, I'll, uh, I, I'll maybe look at it. I must admit is I, I, I didn't look at all the games. I did look at the 2021 Richmond game. 
and those four guys did play. That's why. I was, there you go. But I didn't. I didn't go and have a look at the other games in twenty twenty one. No, I think. I think more recently than that. I think we we definitely uh, that Freo game. As I said, Kelly went off super early, but the uh, the previous game before that was the Adelaide Crows win. Probably yeah. the last time we've won a game there as well. So I don't know. Maybe that's an omen. Maybe I'm just farming for any sort of content because honestly, what are we expecting from this game? Keys has just nailed it. it it's probably going to be a bit of a bloodbath. Uh, Bender, any? I mean, we've barely touched on it, but really, any final thoughts on the game because we know what we're expecting here and if not let's uh let's get into some tips and maybe just a word on ryan marrick as well uh look one thing i am hoping to see is rankin and rochelle bump into each other violently because i just think they've both got their heads up each other's asses and i would like to see them kind of smush into one person in in a low in some sort of... I do like Rankin Slander. I do like Rankin Slander. Oh, that's enough of that. Come on now. Right, Bender, yep. <laughs> um, uh, no, outside of that, I'm, I'm excited to see... see they're, they're, Merrick, um, they're, they're like centipedes. Let's go for that. Oh, settle down, okay. Settle down. Uh, Ryan Marrick. Um, yeah, no, I think... Ryan Marrick, exciting um, to see him debut. Um, outside of that, yeah... I'm hoping we can keep it under 50 points, which is sad, but I hope we can. But uh, look, I think you, you said it really well at the start, and then you mentioned a few times, it's a promising midfield, um, and hopefully they can all stay healthy for the entire game and, and we can see something positive come out of it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so best on ground, sorry, Bender, as well. You said Crows by somewhere around that 50 mark, maybe, but what's your best on ground? Or, or who are you most excited to see, I suppose? Yeah, for the Eagles, please. Dear God. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, look, I'm most excited to see probably Merrick outside of that long um, Hoff and Bazza. Yep. I'm, I'm just hanging in for them at the moment, but uh, and Yo to, to keep the, the fires burning within, so yeah. Very good, very good. Uh, Keys is a little bit doom and gloom there, so put a number on it. What, how much are the Crows going to win by? Uh, I think 10 goals. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Good. I was, <laughs> thought we were on for a bit of a stitch up there. Uh, who, who do you want to watch on the weekend? Who, who are you most excited to see? I, I'm I'm, uh, I'm kind of more morbidly curious as to how Waterman goes in the back line. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I just I just don't know. I mean, the good thing is he knows that's what he's doing. He gets an he gets a chance to prepare and yeah, and things like that. So I'm kind of yeah, right. I, I kind of like I kind of like Jakey. I think he's um I think he's unfairly savaged sometimes. Um, so I'm yeah, so I'm curious as to how he goes. I'm not I've I have no great expectations for how he'll go. That's not his fault. He's a forward, not a backman. Um, yep, we all um we're all keen to see how Merrick will go. I hope he gets a you know, gets on the end of a couple and kicks a couple of snags. Um and uh and I'm also curious as to how Shuey goes playing the game out because um more than once this week, I've heard Simpson say that Shuri could have played two or three weeks ago. I've heard Shuri yeah, himself say it and say they've done a different prep. They've changed a few things up. They wanted to make sure he was really ready to come back. Um, so I I have everything that I can. If I could turn myself into a pretzel to cross stuff, I would. Um, I just hope he gets through. I, I'm hoping, like, fuck, that he gets through the game. Into the bye week, and then yeah, um, yeah. I just, I just. Firstly, I hope he gets through the game, and secondly, I hope he um, has some sort of impact on the game as well. Uh, yep. I really like him. He's a warrior. Um, I hope he can. This this game is the first in a series of games where he, he reminds us of of what he was um, and has an impact, and doesn't limp, doesn't just sort of limp out of the season with mm. um, with another hammy. Um, yep. So yep, that's what I'm hoping for. 
I guess for me, I'm, I keep flip-flopping between that is the worst backline I've ever seen us roll out. And with no personal criticism of any of the individuals, they're all being asked to do way too much, way too early in the case of Bazo or off no prep in the case of Waterman. And yeah, look, the Crows are up and about this year. They're a, they're a decent side. And on their good days, they're a very, very good side. So they've got all the reason to fire this week. Counter that with, I really like our midfield. And it's a rare chance where I actually get to feel, I see what I feel is the midfield that we tried to build and actually roll out there and, and see it in action so look i think as bender touched on once they go in they're going to score with such ease you can't beat that without really owning the footy and, and owning the clearances and i don't know that we'll own them enough to mitigate that so the crows are going to win by yeah i think 50 60 that that 10 goal spot seems to be the sweet spot at the moment even for a competitive 10 goal loss if such a thing exists um sps i mean we all like long we all like Marrick and came for that i really want to see how sps goes i think he found something earlier on in the year liam ryan has been our best entry kick into inside 50 for a couple of years now sps had a few weeks where he looked like great we found another one we've got a really good asset here somebody that can just sort of sit back take that extra half second and really put it on someone we need it uh we need a little bit of clean ball use going in so why not we just want to see how sps goes and see how they uh see how they roll him out preferably off that yeah. forward flank just just before we close yep. I actually um on 6pr tonight simpson was asked how rotham broke his thumb oh yeah and, i heard this bloody hell and i think there is no better explanation as to how just shit our season is, is they were doing lane kicking drills, which is like you get under 10s to do oh, lane kicking. Somehow Rotham has managed to peel his thumbnail back far enough and violently mm. enough that not just as he's ripped his thumbnail completely off, he's broken his thumb in the process. Exciting. Doing a lane kicking drill. Yeah. In a season where we've had Harry Edwards break his wrist, spoiling a ball that he punched in the air because he was walking off and had it heading towards him, so I punched the footy as he's walking off the ground. And we've had Dom Shade somehow, in a routine <laughs> tackling drill, had his throat broken. So and Jack Williams' spleen cannot... as well. Yeah, spleen. Oh, yeah, Williams, I forgot about a good Jack one. Williams. Do you explain it? Try you just you could write those. You could go through ten years of the football club and not have one of those things happen. And we've had all those happen in the space of three months. Coxie with the golf ball, and I think Wellingham maybe had a skateboarding, no, a trampolining injury, some sort of off season trampolining injury. Trampolining, yeah, the tennis ball in the eye for Coxie. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, thank you to everybody who's been watching along. Uh, Nice to see a fair few comments coming through this arvo this evening, I suppose. Uh, Yeah, look, is what it is. Fingers crossed for the Eagles. Hope that they get uh, some sort of break even and give that back line a bit of a chop out. And uh, yeah, hope Marek goes well and good to see the young boys get a touch in a couple of cases. Can, can I confirm well. before we go as well yep. that 16 times 5 is 80. Um, I just wanted to make sure that everyone was was well, across that. Six, time, six times 5 is 30. Six, ten 16 times 5. Times five. Yeah. yeah. Just, he did it really so. quickly before and I just wanted to make sure no, that he, he was it. correct. So I just was just making hey. notes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, but, he has, but, you've been working but, on that for the last 40 minutes. You've got the pad and pen. I have, and that's how Hang on a minute. Me. Carry yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of my it's one of my few skills is maths. When I was ten years old, my parents' party trick was getting people to come out and getting them getting them to um <laughs> just throw sums at you. Yeah, they would they would tell me a footy, <laughs> they would they would they would tell me a footy score and I would and I would tell them what the score was. What an unbelievable party. So this if must someone said if someone right. said like, thirteen goals, goals twelve and you go one hundred and thirty two. Oh my god. <laughs> 
That's amazing. All right, we can't top that. I'm leaving it there. Thank you very much, Bender, Keys. Beautiful work. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week and uh, good luck to the Eagles this weekend. Bye for now. Cheers. (laughs) That's incredible.